Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. An in-depth report reveals the $3.5 million industry behind Meghan Markle hate accounts, and we talk with the author of that report. I'm Jack Royston, Newsweek's royal correspondent. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, a royal watcher based in the U.S. And this is Newsweek's Royal Report. Hello, Jack. Hello, listeners. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Royal Report from Newsweek. We have a very special episode today, don't we, Jack? That's right, Kristen. An investigation by the data analysis firm Bot Sentinel has pieced together the huge sums Meghan Markle hate accounts are making out of YouTube advertising. And we're talking to the man behind the report, Christopher Boozy. Christopher, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Okay, Christopher, first and foremost, I think everybody here on this podcast knows what these hate accounts are broadcasting. But for anybody who might not know, what exactly are we talking about here? Are they just being critical of Meghan Markle? Uh, Are they doing something more nefarious? Can you explain what people might see if they're looking at these YouTube channels? Sure, yeah. Uh, It it goes way beyond, um, you know, opinion or criticism. Um, Depending on which channel you're looking at, you know, some of the channels, they are pushing conspiracy theories um, about her, uh, Meghan Markle, n- not being pregnant, uh, the children not being real. Unfortunately, one, uh, you, you saw that uh, her daughter, um, they were claiming that she passed away. Um, so, you know, depending on what channel you're looking at at the time, uh, the, the, the conspiracy theories are, are wild. Um, and then uh, on some of the more tamer channels, if we can call it that, um, they will just be highly critical of her, but in a way where they are using sometimes, uh, you know, racial slurs, um, they're, you know, making derogatory comments. So it's, it's, it's beyond just opinions. Um, it's, it's clearly violating YouTube's policy on, um, abuse and harassment. And YouTube is key to this, isn't it, Christopher? Because these people are actually making money from these accounts. And the reason they're making money from these accounts is because of the way that YouTube does share ad revenue with its um, its broadcasters. So can you tell us a little bit about the financial side of it? Sure, yeah. So, and you're correct. YouTube is a huge part of, of, of what's happening. So we did look at the you know three accounts, in the report, we call them the trio because these three accounts were the ones who really started a lot of what's happening now. In 2021, um, you know, one account for the entire year earned over seventy thousand um, dollars. That, so that's just you know one account, and then the other two accounts were in the range of you know forty two thousand to forty four thousand. But we estimate, you know, just based on their views, their their RPM, which is a revenue per meal, um, which is basically a fancy way of saying revenue per thousand, you know, they've the lifetime of their channel have combined raised nearly five hundred thousand dollars, the three channels together. And 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 that's I mean, these are not 
high quality videos. You know, these are low budget videos. Some of them are recorded on their phone using screenshots. They're not putting high production value into this. And they're making, you know, a living off off of spreading hate and conspiracy theories. And would I be right in thinking, you mentioned three accounts there, that the net does stretch slightly wider than that. And I think you had a you had a figure for the 25 accounts as well, didn't you? Yeah, correct. So if you include you know, the, the 25 channels that we thought were problematic and there are others out there, but they're not, you know, they're not really focusing on Meghan Markle um, or, you know, uh, Harry. So we just looked at the ones that were really predominantly focused on them. And we found uh, 25 accounts and we estimate that the revenue is somewhere, you know, upwards of 3.5 million. Um, and, and once again, these are not high, you know, they're, they're, they're low budget. Um, and if when you think about what they've made, you got to think about what YouTube has made because their cut is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 60%. Wow. Yeah. 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 So you can kind of understand why YouTube is not, anxious about removing these channels. I'm curious, are these accounts all working in collaboration with each other or the three at the top, really the leaders and everyone else is just kind of copycatting them to make more money? What's happening here? And that's a good question too. Um, So we do know in the early days that the three main accounts were, they were definitely collaborating. They were promoting each other channels. They were, you know, suggesting, hey, you watch this one and, you know, vice versa. Uh, the other ones uh, pretty much are the copycats. They came along and started saying, hey, look, we can we can probably make some good money doing this. And they started, you know, putting out kind of, I mean, some of these channels were doing something completely different and they switched focus to Meghan Merkel. But I, I just want to say also, and, and I don't want to put this all on, on YouTube, Twitter has to take some responsibility here as well. Whereas, yes, YouTube is, um, you know, providing the the means for them to do this in terms of, you know, pretty much funding this in a way. Um, Twitter is allowing these accounts to cultivate their following. Um, they're allowing this stuff to, to be disseminated on their platform. They know that these accounts are breaking their rules and they're still allowing these accounts to continue. And, and that in itself is a, is a huge problem as well. Well, I'm curious why Twitter would allow it because they're not really making money in the same way that YouTube is, right? Oh, yes, they are. Oh, they are. Tell us, tell us. So Twitter is is pretty much based on ad revenue, as, as you guys know. So when you have these accounts that are constantly tweeting, they're they're posting stuff. You know, they're they're, they're ads that are running just as anyone else would be posting, um, tweeting or whatever. Um, so by having these accounts on the on their platform, the engagement, you know, the the, the views, that's that's unfortunately helping Twitter in, in their bottom line. So getting rid of these accounts would also affect um, Twitter. But they're clearly, I mean, there's an account that was suspended twice and we provide a proof that it's, you know, back again. And after we publish the report, Twitter still has not removed that account. So where do you see this going, Christopher? Do you think social media platforms like YouTube and Twitter will ever get on top of this? Or do you think that this is just going to be something we have to live with? There's a few things that need to happen. So one, you know, and I was completely against this. If you would have asked me three months ago, um, I do believe um, individuals need to start suing. Um, I do believe that Meghan Markle and, and, and Harry, um, they need to start suing. 
the reason I believe that is they have to start making an example um, of these accounts. Um, you know, if you sue a handful of people, then other people may start to say, hey, you know, I can I can actually be financially ruined if I continue doing this craziness. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is you guys, journalists. I do believe if journalists really start to cover this stuff a bit more, um, and I and I understand why it had you know this hasn't really happened a lot in the past because I know budgets are are are, are low now, um, and hiring a firm to go and research and spend three or four months to do this um, is very expensive. So that's why I understand a lot of news outlets don't even bother unless a report like this does come out and then they cover it. So I think journalists need to cover this more so people can understand exactly what's happening on these platforms. And then lastly, I, I, you know, legislation. Um, we're going to definitely need some type of legislation to help regulate this stuff. Um, yeah, because the platforms are not going to, I mean, the platforms are policing themselves. And if you think about it, they have no incentive to stop people from interacting and engaging on their platforms. Um, so why, look, there's been, this is not the first report about um, YouTube. Uh, Jack covered it a couple times. I think it's about three times now. YouTube has not removed these channels. Uh, all you have to do is just go to one of the channels and just watch a couple of videos and you will know this is just not our opinion. It's it's their policy. If you look, And we included it in the report. Um, you can look at it. They're breaking the rules. Yet and still, YouTube has not removed these accounts. One striking thing as well, I think, is the difference in response from Google and YouTube versus Twitter. Because when we were reporting, I think your first report, Christopher, was into Twitter only. And when you did that report, we reached out to Twitter and they came back to us with a comment. And I think you disagreed quite strongly with their comment, but they did engage with us and they did engage with the research you were doing. And I have to say, Google and YouTube have not engaged with us at all. I mean, we go to them for comment every time and we've not even had an acknowledgement that they received the message. Um, so, I mean, it's it, I, it can feel quite bleak when something like that happens. Um, but uh, the other thing that was really interesting was we the first time we looked at YouTube, we uncovered that um, an advert for a human rights charity, Amnesty International, had been placed on one of these these accounts. So we contacted Amnesty, and they said that they had a special uh, a special advertising agreement with YouTube through which their advert was only supposed to be placed on content that wasn't sensationalist or hateful, and yet it was still placed on. I think it was still placed on one of these channels. Um, so it's it, <laughs> is there what do you how do you get through to a company like Google that's so big? That we can't, you know, can we do? We can't really do without Google, can we? We can't just stop using it. Legislation and and reporting. Um, I think one of the reasons why YouTube is not responding because they feel like, hey, this will eventually go away. The focus will be on something else, and we can get back to business as usual. Um, it's not until advertisers put pressure. It's not until lawmakers put pressure and 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 journalists put pressure on YouTube. Um, when this would, then they will finally say, okay, enough is enough. We, we got to do something about it. Um, it, it, I didn't know this about the Amnesty uh, International. I did not know. And I'm like, wow. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. And we were actually going to highlight that in the report as well in terms of advertisers. And we backed away from that because we don't believe that many of these advertisers even know that their ads are being shown on these channels. And we didn't think it would be fair to the advertisers to kind of like 
that, hey, like this advertisers on on this particular channel because we don't believe they even know. So a little bit of uh, detail on that is that uh, the way that YouTube advertising works is that YouTube places adverts onto videos in a way that's tailor-made for the user. So if you're somebody, obviously it viewed me as somebody who would, who would have a chance of, of um, donating money to Amnesty. So that Amnesty advert was targeted at me rather than the video. But the ad package that Amnesty paid for should have ruled out it being placed on that channel. Um, and, and that was Amnesty's view. They've, they reviewed the channel and viewed that they were not happy that their advert had been placed there. But um, personalized advertising does mean that it's, it's targeted at the user. Now, since we're talking about the user, can I just ask a question? Who are the people who are consuming these videos and who are the people who are making these videos? Can you tell us just a little bit more about them? I, I can't personally imagine spending thousands of hours a year just trying to make videos that are generating racist and misogynistic and false uh, stories. I, I can't imagine doing that. Who are the people who are consuming and making these? In terms of demographics, which is really interesting, one of the um, content creators um, did actually create a video talking about the viewers and based on what she said that her uh viewers skew you know above 60. um she said uh, a lot of them are based in the united states if memory serves me correct and the uk but this is once again based on what she's saying we don't have the you know the data to say that this is who her viewers are um it's just the you know, what she said. I can say that the creators themselves are Caucasian women, um, you know, ranging from the ages of, I believe, 30, 38 to 65. Um, the ringleader of that core group is a 65-year-old woman, um, which is um, interesting in itself. And, you know, they are, I mean, they are profiting off of, of hate. Um, I mean, there's no other way to put it. And the content that they're creating on a weekly basis is geared towards an audience that's going to consume that, that wants to consume it. You know, if you look at the comments, well, you know, one of the creators hadn't posted in a bit uh, for, I, I'm, I'm assuming because of health reasons or something like that. And they were like, where is she? Where is she? Like, she owes us um, an explanation. You know, where are her, her viewers? Um, we've helped uh, keep this channel going. We've donated. We were, you know, helping her make money. And she owes us an explanation to why she hasn't created a, you know, a video in, I think it was eight days or something like that. So there's an audience there that wants to consume this stuff. And it's, it's bizarre. Do you think, Christopher, that there's also an issue with the fact that once you're making money out of doing something, you then kind of almost in a way become dependent on keeping that um, income going? Because if you cut that off, then you might have to make changes to your lifestyle. You might not be able to afford certain things. Um, you might even be in a position where, um, you know, you have different opportunities available to you for how to make money and this is the one you choose do you think there's a bit of an issue potentially with youtube getting people hooked on providing these kind of these kind of videos yeah um definitely 2019 is when these these channels were were created and if you're making you know forty thousand seventy thousand dollars a year doing this um that's a pretty decent living especially for someone who's retired or, you know, someone who may have a, a little side gig doing something else. Um, 
so yeah, if you've been dependent on that for you know three years or so, and then all of a sudden that income is cut off, yeah, there, there would be a problem. Um, I, I would imagine uh, if you know if you're taking trips, you know you're paying a mortgage. Uh, I, I can verify that one of the creators did buy a house. Uh, we don't know obviously if the money from the channel um, was used to do that, but one of them, after creating their channel, um, you know, several months or so after, they were able to purchase a house. And all this lucrative, very lucrative content is focusing on the negative, right? Not the positive. Right. And here's something else really quickly, you know, and I tweeted this out earlier. Um, you know, if these people really wanted to, they could have created channels, um, you know, fan channels, if you want to call that, uh, for William and Kate and, you know, post positive stuff about them and positive stuff about the royal family. But it's clear that the audience is for the hate. It's clear that the audience is for hatred towards Meghan Merkel and, 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 and Harry. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think <laughs> I don't think these people are just going to say, you know something, I don't want to do this anymore. I see how much pain it's causing people. I'm going to start doing something else. I don't see that happening. They would have to be forced to stop. And I suppose that what you've just said um, speaks again to YouTube's uh, responsibility because of the way its own algorithm works. Right. Well, and and, and that's something we didn't even discuss. Um, you know, YouTube promotes this this content, you know, they, if you just happen to stumble upon these videos, you don't have to subscribe to the channel. You know, you could just watch one or two videos and you would start being recommended these videos. You'll start receiving notifications in your phone when a new video is, is, um, you know, uploaded. The same thing with Twitter. Um, you don't have to follow these accounts. Uh, you know, we have, uh, we call them research accounts where, you know, we will, look at someone, we'll look at their tweets, not on our main account, and then we'll start receiving emails from accounts that we were looking at, and we're not following these accounts at all. Um, so these platforms are pushing this content, and they're helping to um, you know, amplify a lot of these accounts. It's one of the really extraordinary things I've noticed on my own Twitter account is there's been times when I realized that there's somebody whose tweets I've been seeing every day, and I clicked on their account and I never followed that person. <laughs> I was just being shown by Twitter. Twitter decided that I should have done and followed them for me almost. And, it, you know, it was nothing like this. It was, you know, stuff to do with journalism or British politics or something like that. But, you know, I realized this one um, woman, an ed editor of a news organization in Britain, I was getting her tweets like all the time. I don't I can't even really put my finger on what it was about them that Twitter thought I would be interested in. But, I, yeah, I mean, I didn't follow her. There must have been some spurious explanation, like maybe some people I followed liked her or something, you know, liked her tweets or something like that. But the regularity could not have been a coincidence. The algorithm must have determined that I would want to follow that account and just simply hadn't pressed the button. They want you to engage. And, yeah. and that's what Twitter, I mean, they're, they spend a lot of money to keep you glued to the platform. They want you to be on there. They want you to follow other people. And if you're not following those people, they're going to suggest to you by, like you said, showing you tweets and, and things of that nature from people that you're not you're not following and that are sometimes not, not even retweets. I wouldn't say it's nefarious. I wouldn't go as far as to say that, but it's a science into what is being done on these platforms because they make money uh, by having you go back. And, and that's it, the same as with Twitter. My problem 
with, with all of this, you know, we're, we're looking at it um, for just making Merkel. Um, and it's, it's horrible as that is um, you got to think about, you know, a few, a handful of people are able to manipulate conversations on Twitter um, about the, the Duke and Duchess. And they're really successful at doing it. And these people have no technical skills whatsoever um, or very little you know, technical skills. Um, they're not state sponsored. You know, they're not. You know, we heard with the election in 2016 uh, about Russia and you know, the troll farm and all this other stuff. Um, it's not sophisticated at all. So if you think about this for a second and think about how a group of unsophisticated people in terms of you know technology were able to pull this off for three years. Now think about the state sponsored stuff that's happening. So if Twitter can't get a handle or, or refuse to get a handle on just this here, we're heading into a midterm election. Uh, Brazil also has their elections as well, which, uh, you know, that's a whole nother conversation. And, you know, Twitter's just failing. And, and, and I hate to say that because I'm actually an advocate of Twitter. I actually think Twitter is not one of the bad guys per se, but I am like very disappointed at their lack of just taking this seriously. It's, I'm sorry. It's just, it's really bad. Well, I personally hope that all of the good work you're doing with Bot Sentinel helps to change the tide where more people are taking this seriously, more people are paying attention. And that includes people who are on the inside at YouTube and all of the other places that are profiting off of all of this. So Christopher Boozy, thank you so much again for joining us today. Can you uh, let our listeners know where they can find out more about you and your good work? Sure. Thanks. Um, yeah, they, they can go to bot, B-O-T, Sentinel, S-E-N-T-I-N-E-L.com. And you know, it's a lot of information there and tools that can help people uh, navigate this, this, this crazy disinformation world on social media platforms. And Jack, listeners, everybody else out there, the queen, that is it for this episode of the Royal Report from Newsweek. Be sure to join us every other week when we visit the latest royal headlines, embark on some royal deep dives and riff of all things royal. And between episodes, follow us on Twitter for daily updates at Jack underscore Royston and at Kristen Meinzer. And if you haven't already, rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you love the show, we'd love to have your support. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jack Royston. Thank you so much for listening. And a curtsy to you all. Hold up. 